I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. A podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode, another Movies While They Sleep double feature, where we watched the new Clint Eastwood-directed Cry Macho, now available on HBO Max. And we also went back to one of Clint's classic, uh, his... One of his good ones. <laughs> uh, 1992's Unforgiven. So we watched two Clint Eastwood-directed westerns this week, one we liked and one we didn't, and I'm sure you can already tell, uh, but I think it made for a fun conversation, uh, but we're, we're here to, in some ways, like we've said, be curators for you all. We'll just say up front, if you didn't watch Cry Macho, don't worry about it, but stick around for this conversation. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. <laughs> But please watch Unforgiven. Both Cry Macho and Unforgiven are available streaming now on HBO Max. Let's go ahead and get into our conversation already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. I think it's a little bit more nurture than nature, to be honest. Like that argument of nature versus nurture, I I think it leans a little bit more nurture. Yeah, I think so too. They're just like your teachers. Yeah. It's like you, you taught me how to handle this. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I mean, there's just so few. And, but I also people. think the fact that it is more nurture than nature is why I feel hopeful. I, I mean, it's like what you said about feeling hopeful for your own family and, and, and able. Um, but I, I think there is room. If it's nurture, if it's more nurture than nature, then then it seems to me that there's room for someone to be able to change. Right. If it's just nature, or it leans more right, in that right. direction, then, then then it's a wrap. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> and and I think you know I obviously I mean I'm I'm. I'm a pastor, so I believe in a person's ability to change. But um, it's so freaking rare. But it's so hard. It's so hard because we don't know how to do it. Right. And 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 so many of our models for doing it are uh, inherently broken and only further perpetuate, um, you know, continued dysfunction or destruction. Right. You know, I I think about, you know, even just kind of like this, well, it's, if it's just behavior modification, if I could just like get a grip on myself or, or like parents who said, we just got to, we just got to beat it into our kids that, that, you know, literally or figuratively, that's not, that's its own broken system. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they would fix that behavior that you're trying to address, but there becomes this rigidity and graceless legalism in that that, right. that is going to lead to something else, either abuse or, or or you're just replacing the bad behaviors with other behaviors, you know? Right. <clears throat> well, at uh, least they're not doing this. Yeah, yeah. The boomer mentality. It's like, you, you always ran with the rough crowd, but I always made sure that you <laughs> never got into that drug stuff or that, uh, you know, that, that whatever, that other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, I it, just never had any hard connection with you ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so interesting, too, because I think that's some of the themes of Unforgiven. Because you had this, like, lead character, William Money, um, Will, the Clint Eastwood character and i love this you know nurture he leaves his children for weeks at a time to go get a bounty <laughs> that was rough it's, it's certainly rough but i and i'm not talking about that part of it i'm talking about the, uh, right right of course the like you get this title card at the beginning where all you know about him is that like he has this bad reputation and past mm-hmm. and that's not anything you ever get to see in the movie do you believe that at the beginning though i have no reason not to believe it i do because it's clint eastwood what do you mean? Like they're they're not going to paint him to just be a bad monster. Which part? Which part are you talking about? Not believing? Like the intro when they're like, "Man, this guy, why why she ever married this yeah. no good low down?" I'm like, "You sure that's all he is?" 
Oh no, I think that's the point, right? Is is and, and it's I it's one of two things I think in that either he is and I think it's probably both, either he he was a lot more complex than people thought of him. They he, they mm-hmm. thought of him this particular way. Is this? No, no, I'm saying like is it as the audience is the movie expecting me to believe like all right this guy's pretty rough but let's start the movie because I, th- I don't think that I think the movie works really hard in the first few minutes to dissuade you of any notion that he is still that way like right right after after that little blur yes i think what the movie wants you to think is his journey with his wife and her death has cured him or softened him or whatever it is whether it's family or and the more he says it the more i don't believe him because he starts saying it a lot towards the middle. Oh, him! You don't know my past. You don't know. No, he he starts saying, "I'm not that guy anymore." Oh yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. The, the guy that has to say that over and over is that guy. Well, uh, you see, I think, I think that's what's so interesting about the movie is that he he does continually say that about himself. Um, I'm not that guy anymore, but like. But then he then he comes to this kind of like self acceptance that there's still this part of him in there, because he goes back to right. enact this kind of righteous vengeance for Ned, and in this kind of act of violence, and he sees himself as the only one that can do it. The kid couldn't do it. Right, and inversely, the kid is saying the entire movie, "No, I'm I'm a bad dude." Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, "Nope, I'm not. I'm not you." And even Ned, Ned does not seem. Does, is that what happens in the movie? Does Ned try to kill somebody and then can't do it? Yeah, yeah. He tries to kill the second, the guy that didn't. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which even right there, the movie's complicated because I'm like, I don't know if this guy deserves to die. Yeah. And and like they make him very likable and sympathetic, and he's trying to do the right thing for the woman that gets cut up. Um, mm-hmm. I forget her name because I forget all characters' names, but they 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 want you to feel for him, and yes. then he's just gone. Yes, it's like oh, this is not my uh, white hat, black hat. Yes, you know, yeah. western. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of gray. Because because I, I don't think Ned is saying what Will says throughout the movie. I don't think Ned says I'm not that anymore. I think. For Ned, it's more of like retirement and contentedness. Yeah, he's enticed by the money and adventure. Yeah, but yeah. but he's not ever saying, "Oh, I'm not that anymore." Right. Like he still, I think he would still say, "I have yes, it in me." He has to realize it when it, when push comes to shove. Yeah, and he and and he actually I, he gets to this place where he's like, "Oh, it's not in me anymore. I'm not that." Yeah. And. And and it, it that that is an interesting tension or contrast between the Will and the Ned character of uh, Will saying I'm not that over and over and over again and then enacting this righteous vengeance and then the Ned character kind of being ambivalent towards it I mean very very eye rolling of the kid and you know the, the the you know asking the kid how many kid how many people he killed and all of that and not being you know not believing him and trying to kind of uh intimidate him a little bit um and then at the end not being able to pull the trigger and and having to leave the adventure and then it cost him his life yeah but yeah i think that's the first thing not the first thing that's what struck me most about the movies i kept being like wait i'm getting whiplash for my like generic roles that mm-hmm. I have laid out for um, good guy, bad guys mm-hmm. in a Western. Yeah. Or not even a Western, just like any movie. Like, all right, who's the clear evil that is going to lose here? Like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I, I mean, because even, even the way Little Bill is, is drawn from like the earliest parts of the movie is like very confusing because i have like two categories for sheriffs and like westerns right mm-hmm. there's good sheriff and there's like corrupt sheriff mm-hmm. and I, I, I really don't even know what to make of him throughout most of the movie right but especially right. in the beginning because in the beginning he wants to come in and be this kind of 
hey, we're going to justice needs to be done because what you did to this woman um, at the brothel, Delilah, uh, you you know, uh, but even that it's like, oh, but really, it's not about what you did to the woman. It's about how you've cost the owner of the brothel this this you know uh capital in the form of a prostitute mm-hmm. and then you cut to him like work like being super folksy and working on his house and he's no carpenter to save his life and there's everything is crooked and uh, there's right. holes in his ceiling you know like uh, he is not the one or the other in terms of like sheriff in right. western he's a goof but he's also justice but also not justice you want to see yeah in that moment <laughs> You're like, sure, I guess the owner gets richer, the rich get richer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I think the purest character, I think it's okay to say the, the purest or most simply distilled character in the movie is the the writer, um, Beauchamp, Beauchamp. Beauchamp. Like, uh, what do you mean? I, I, I think there is, like, he is just there to take it all in and it's just this process of him being kind of constantly disillusioned by what he has seen um but but he 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 feels like this very uh what you see is what you get from him but also that's how he approaches the world like whatever is set in from it he goes from completely trusting english bob and his crazy fables to in an instant oh that's not real okay let me listen to you little bill and like abandons english bob is gonna like write the the little bill biography or whatever now and and just kind of is just wrapped up in whatever is in front of him um and like this like and i think that this distilled thing that i'm talking about is this at at the end of the day he is just a curious writer like i guess i've i've viewed him as like he he's still he's chasing the money like the rest of them just in a different way oh interesting because of like the money he could earn by glamorizing the violence yeah like he yeah. was salivating at the end of like which one did you shoot first and yeah. tell me oh, why sure. so i can yeah. include that in my stories yeah and he's like, you're going to be next, buddy. Like, get out of here. And I was like, yeah, he felt like another contestant trying to make his end. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like like I kind of was looking at him as like filmmakers or, or yeah. even kind of like artists, you know, yeah. who are like, ooh, what, uh, you know, actual experiences can I take and like, hmm. you know cultivate into something that ben like not i'm not saying all artists do that but you no. know but but he he does feel like ones. this kind of particularly um uh exploitative yes yeah great word yeah like smarmy yeah like god this guy he's he's a real peter Pettigrew to me oh totally but i also think there's no there's never a moment where i'm like oh he's he's trying to do this for noble purposes Mm. right that there right. i am never that confused about where he stands right Cause, right because i think you're right he wants to profit from the glamorizing of violence in the west right and but he's very shrewd about it and yeah and i feel like he's driven both by that and his own his own like insatiable twisted curiosity about it all right and it's just I, I wish I knew more about Clint's career mm-hmm. or had more context for it because, you know, watch the movie, read about it. Very aware that this was kind of a um, denouement mm-hmm. on or was supposed to be sort of, at least for Westerns in mm-hmm. his career, kind of a like wrapping up. Mm-hmm. What have we learned journey? And so even the time that the movie's taking place, it feels like the old West is on its way out and I guess I don't picture a character like him in like in like the Blood Meridian mm. Midwest or you're talking about, Old West. You're talking about the, the Beauchamp. Yeah, yeah. Like, ugh, let me just got my notepad. Yes. it's like it's it like definitely like, These feels that that character itself feels like the beginning of the end of the West. Yes, exactly. Like once it's become once it becomes the book or the movie. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a wrap. Mm-hmm. You know, 
It's it's interesting. Party's over. It's interesting to me. I mean, Clint Eastwood is made and starred in so many movies. So I, know. I mean, it's impossible to have a handle on. I I, I feel, um, but so much of his career tra- trajectory has really been <laughs> like a kind of a deconstruction and a subverting of a lot of this stuff. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the guy who's in the the Spaghetti Western Dollars trilogy, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, mm-hmm. where he's the one that's called The Good. <laughs> right. There's no question about what's happening. Uh, and, and I love that. I mean, that movie, have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's so watchable, so great. If you can get over the the relic of that kind of era of filmmaking, which is the overdubbing. The I was saying the overdub, the, oh, the way yeah, all the yeah. all the characters would have just shot their scenes in their native language and then the English is dubbed in after. Yeah, that didn't bother me so much. Yeah. I mean, it was years ago. I think the, th- the thing that people would have in trouble with in, tw- in 2021 is your attention span. Yeah. Um, which mine for Cry Macho was oh, everywhere. Oh my gosh, and Cry Macho was <laughs> so good. short. But that's because it's not that good. Um, um, but, but continue. But I was just saying, I think, you know, this is a guy who starts his career with the good, the bad, and the ugly in that trilogy and and westerns. And it's so, I mean, like I said, he's the good one. Right. There's it, it, not a lot of confusion. And it's an expertly made movie and it's a masterpiece and all of that. But uh, it, it is so straight ahead. And then he, he does the Dirty Harry movies, which is this kind of this glamorizing of violence and and as a police officer but but clint's take on it was like hey we're, we're actually trying to comment on this but people didn't take it that way they they thought that those movies were just glamorizing violence even though mm. even as they were trying to try kind of interrogate it and make a point about you know violence and policing um and so it almost and they're like wildly successful movies but it feels like this kind of miss in terms of what he what he and the filmmakers are trying to achieve in some ways mm-hmm. right um, and, and and one of my favorite uh, kind of little connection points if you've seen Zodiac the David Fincher movie um, I want to rewatch it like I was just saying sir today because we were watching Twin Peaks season 3 and it had a, just like coffee and donuts in a diner mm-hmm. I'm like no no it was the detectives had coffee and donuts in the office and something horrific had just happened mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we got a late night to figure this out. And I'm like, oh, Zodiac. Yeah. I wanted to be there just for those moments and not the rest, not the lake scene. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, it's so, gosh darn, watchable, which is so disturbing. so good. But the Mark Ruffalo character is, you know, this real detective. Um, mm-hmm. And he's the guy that the Dirty Harry movies are based on. And oh, wow. in Zodiac... He, he, the Mark Ruffalo character goes and attends a theater and watches a Dirty Harry movie, and like people joke, people joke about how you know he, it was based on you, and it was. Um, but there's 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 a lot of complication in that, right. and and then and then it eventually gets to Unforgiven, which is this incredibly rich and layered <laughs> right. look at every. I mean, every, from the sheriff to the, the you know the kid the aspiring you know th- uh, the the aspiring the up and comer the, the up and coming you know violent cowboy to the the old guys to the the just the thugs in the in the brothel I mean every single character is is, is layered and rich right yes um, and and it's just I mean it, that's what I loved about Unforgiven and and what I was not expecting from it mm. coming to it the right, first time. Right, same. I was. I, I think that if Cry Macho was made the age in Unforgiven, maybe it's getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe, probably not though. Um, but like half the movie is him sick in Unforgiven. Yeah, you, you know, and you're like, oh, this feels sad, decrepit Clint Eastwood. Yeah, when it was thirty years ago. So don't get me started and cry much. But oh gosh. but it was yeah, it was not at all my expectation going into it of like this is his like uh you know, period on the on the book like finishing chapter on the book of Westerns. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, pretty much 
he's been bested for most of the movie, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and but that scene, that last scene in the saloon or the brothel with him facing off a little bill, it's like uh, uh, I'm on the edge of your seat. Like yeah. it's it's so it's it is insane to me that Unforgiven was made by the same director as Cry Macho. I... <laughs> what is it? Because okay, these movies are in conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're in conversation with each other over this podcast. I've been using that phrase so much lately because I hear like with. yes, because yeah. movie reviewers like to say that, yeah. like oh, this works in conversation with this work. So I've been doing that, like making designs, like oh, this image. From this chapter of the book is in conversation with the other. And yeah, it makes so, you sound smart, but it is. I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, it's good analysis. No, but but it, it does make you smart. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it's tough because Unforgiven. I feel like we could talk about for a really long time. Get 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 some deep yeah. dive analysis. But I'm I don't know. I'm kind of more. How, how do we reconcile these two together? I don't know. It's wild to me, and and I don't even. I mean, I I don't think they contradict themselves I, I just think they're in a lot of ways about similar things um, mm-hmm. in, in broad strokes I mean if you look at I mean mas- uh, masculinity is the theme of Cry Macho it, it's right, and it's course. not subtle about it <laughs> it's in the title and, and I think Unforgiven is a lot more about um, you know sin and atonement I mean it is so much about what we have talked about it, right it, for weeks right. on this podcast right um, yeah to, to me it was a character that was um kind of taking on and kind and kind not owning but uh living with the consequences of mm-hmm. their life mm-hmm. and how i guess i see a weakness in the character in unforgiven and will yeah and and admit an admittance even though he you know at the end he kind of falls back on his uh, old ways, but there's a an awareness of, uh, I'm not someone to model your life after. Yeah. I, I'm not pretending to be the good and the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. I'm not pretending to be the, the badass and dirty well, cause, hairy. Because I think if you ask the Will, the Will character, what do you think about the, the man with no name from the good, the mm-hmm. bad, and the ugly? Is he a good guy? And I, I think it, the beginning of Unforgiven, he would say, "No, he's he's a violent mm-hmm. cowboy." Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I I think that's part of the tension is he's not pretending to be that the good because he doesn't mm-hmm. think that exists. Right, right, and even you know, sandwiching the movie of him a, a non competent pig farmer, yeah, to a monster yeah. that could just lay waste to human life. There, there's not a celebration of either no you know of like kind of this uh mundane insignificant life and but you know doing it yep. and being a part of society and you know being a dad and all that good stuff or doing what you're really good at yeah but in your path is just destruction but there's no this is the way this is the path this yeah. is the answer in either one of these yeah but i think why crime macho really rubbed me the wrong way was like you can like i said you can't have your cake and eat it too because i have it on the background now and i'm just realizing so many more moments than i even remember where it's like he's a good cook he can fix uh jukeboxes he can fight animals cure animals fist fight at the age of 90 he's supposed to be 60 in the movie but it's obvious he's not and even the fact that he is supposed to be 60, and he thinks he's getting away with it here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's delusion. Yeah, like rescuing this kid. Women are throwing themselves at him who are 40, 50 years, 60 years younger. I know. Uh, I, I, like, you can't tell me that, you know, mass, ma- traditional masculine traits or this idea of, of a macho, macho yeah. Yeah, demeanor or... Uh, uh, aura for a person is uh, not something to be celebrated when all you're doing the entire movie is celebrating those traits. Yeah. And <laughs> it's Clint Eastwood at the center of it. 
like right. the model of modern masculinity in American cinema. Right, right. Like the, that idea of that, like, because even even just he sums it up by just saying, hey, that's overrated, that stuff that doesn't get you anywhere. It's like, can you expand on that? While he's the gruff guy driving a truck. Right, who goes back to the girl and has the, like, you know, the the life he's wanted, you know. Yeah. And I, I just... It, it feels like a self-contradiction so much of the time. Yes. And, and, and I, I also think the cry macho is just doesn't work. Um, it, 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 in a lot of ways feels like not well made. <laughs> right. I mean, there, there are just like story and plot decisions where I'm like, I just don't know what's happening and I'm paying attention and some rough acting. Yeah. I mean, and it's the Clint Eastwood is very famous for the one or two takes and we're done, you know, but the kid could have used a few more. Um, the kid is rough. But. <laughs> and, and even just moments of like the, the 90% of the movie is Clint really showing up for the kid mm-hmm. and showing him the way and being a good role model and all this great stuff. And then uh, Clint Eastwood is also tricked in his quest to get this kid back to his dad and that you know the kid is a symbol of some money or investment yeah. opportunities for the dad and he didn't know that mm-hmm. and then he tells the kid about it and the kid's like you lied you're evil yeah you uh you're not strong you're weak yeah and uh it, it, it's like okay <laughs> clearly clint eastwood wrote this line of you are no longer strong you were once strong and now you are weak <laughs> It's like, okay, we're talking about your career. Is that what's going on here? Because why would this kid say this at this point? It makes no sense. Well, because it's, it's, it is to reinforce the theme, but it doesn't make sense in that moment. In that moment, it's like, oh, yeah, your dad lied to me. It's like, you're weak. It's yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Let's shoehorn some theme into here. Yeah, I mean, I just, I struggled with, Cry Macho. I I was like I wanted it to be good. I like Clint, like, but it just doesn't work. You ever notice about some of these? This kind of feels like a Netflix movie. I know it's not. Mm. Um, some of these modern movies, uh, they're really okay. Have you ever watched Shit's Creek? Yeah, and I don't like it. I, I'm not a fan of it personally. But yeah. one of the biggest things I don't like about it is how quiet it is. Mm. Have you ever noticed that? I did like, notice that, that when I watched. Shit's Creek. Have you noticed that aesthetic in some of these newer made-for-Netflix movies? Mm-hmm. There's like a, re- a an odd uh, emptiness to the audio. Mm-hmm. I, I, the reason I'm talking about on this is because I don't know where else to talk and who to talk about this with, but there are just some aesthetic choices or directions that I, I'm... I'm very opposed to in this modern. It's wild. This modern era. Go watch a movie from the '70s, and it's so loud. Well, you know, I I don't even know what. Maybe it's just advancement in in recording mics or something or whatever. But it's like there's no room noise or nature noise. No, I think it's yeah. I I don't think it's it's good. It's strange, and it's it's very uh, like cold and isolating. And that in combination with some of these, I know this is some like nerd, high level nerd movie stuff, but like the color grading on these movies too. Yeah. Where it's like unforgiven. There's a flatness to the colors. Purposely. It's it's just, right, right. But it's, it's just like, it's not to the point where every shade of blue is the same shade of blue. Yeah. Like I'm watching Cry Macho now, and like the car is the same mm-hmm. because they're just taking the saturation, yeah. like color editing tool in Premiere, and saying make all the blues this hue. Yeah, and it drives me crazy. Like, yeah, uh, Sarah started watching this Steve Martin show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one on Mirrors in the something. building. Y- yeah, yeah, and it's like him and uh, Martin and Short. Uh, it's Hulu, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Sorry, I'm murder podcast yeah. because a murder happened." Uh, like it sounded funny and all this good stuff, but I, I just started watching. Like I can't even watch this show because every orange and every blue is the same hue yeah. in every room. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Like what is that? Yeah. Like to me, it's a little lifeless. Like it looks like a visco filter. 
oh, it's on 100% the entire how movie. I felt about Cry Macho. Yeah. And, and it, it just... Where, know. where you it, know, it, it reminds where, you that it's being so uh, color edited all the time. Yeah, it was interesting. I was thinking about um, like what my favorite shot of Unforgiven was, mm-hmm. uh, and I have one, but it was hard for me. Yeah, that's a hard one to to try to nail down because I actually don't think it's the prettiest movie in the world. Right, like there's a there's a kind of a barrenness and ugliness to it. I mean, yep. and there's like a lot of landscape shots that are like really pretty because they, mm-hmm. you know, they film it out there and it looks good. Um, but like, oh, there's a lot of rain in, you know, Big Whiskey Town and like yeah. the the saloon and it, it just not you know, it's funny. well. We thought it, it felt like that opening onto Whiskey Town with the rain and the, the cameras yeah. like going over the billiard sign. Yeah. I mean, so like, and there's like creaky wood doors. Say. And it's like, oh, it kind of feels like Disneyland right now. Like, <laughs> they're so creating an environment, and it's like, it reminds yeah. me of like the Grace Mount, Great Mouse Detective, like, you know, secret uh, saloon while it's raining out. And then it, like, then the scene starts. I'm like, nope, not Disneyland at all. I <laughs> uh, see. I thought about uh, Fellowship of the Ring, them going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Prancing Pony Inn or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the production design on Unforgiven is so great. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's like such a well made movie, mm-hmm. and well shot. All all of it, just working all all together beautifully. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then um, then you get this Cry Macho. And I'm like, yeah, and you know, it's not like Cry Macho is supposed to be his magnum opus or anything yeah but it it, it sometimes it, it just feels like with modern movies they're just going in an aesthetically boring direction not even cinematography but just overall look overall sound yeah they're, when everything gets so crisp and so nice and so empty and clean there's a like robotic feel to it i saw this uh thread on twitter maybe this weekend and it was just talking about like the obscene amount of cgi that's in movies and tv that you never ever even Mm. know about right and uh just uh, you know mark hamill was tweeting pictures of him holding a bottle of milk from the last (laughs) jedi and or uh, uh, maybe it was no mark hamill didn't he was like retweeting some of this stuff but one of the vfx artists tweeted this photo of him holding this bottle of milk from the last Jedi. And he said, Oh yeah, this is, this is one of my favorite things I got to work on. I made that bottle. And, Hmm. and, and it's like, what? And people are like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah. The bottle he's holding is totally my art, art creation. He was holding a different bottle and the filmmakers just didn't like how it looked in post. So we went in and just did a CGI bottle in his hand. The one in the new movie is fake. Yes. 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 It's crazy. Um, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Wow. No, it looks totally fake even on his mouth. Yes. Or like the way the glove is around it. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So, and, and you, so stupid. I, I know. <laughs> I and mean, maybe some people think it's cool. Oh, but, but, and it's, I mean, and, and that's fine because it's like, you know, that gives them the ability of like, hey, this thing doesn't look like we wanted to, and that you know they can go in and do it. But, but it's it's like, you know, it basically somebody on this thread said, anytime you're watching a TV show and a character goes to answer the door because somebody's knocking, whatever mm-hmm. that background is is ninety nine percent a green screen, and wow. and it's like, yeah, you know. They used to just, they've always filmed that stuff on sets and it used to be like a matte painting back there or something. Right, right. <clears throat> so it was never real. Yeah, but it felt there's life, a little bit more life, a little bit more love. But yeah, I mean, that people started posting examples and it's like, oh my gosh, it looks so bad. It's kind of like uh, having a fresh block of Parmesan and you're going you're gonna to grate that over the pasta uh-huh. in, instead of like not or using that like green uh cylinder oh, yeah. The craft, yeah 
Yeah. Or, or like, or like even, you know, you're going to chef a nod a little bit of, little bit of fresh basil at the end just uh-huh. to top it. And it's like, does it add that much? No. But is it the love, the act, like uh, of these extra steps just to make the meal like a tiny bit better? Yeah. Like, isn't the act of that more important than the percentage that it yeah. of better taste that it gets? Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. That's what people mean when they say they're like, love is the ingredient in food. <laughs> it's like, I, I took the like stupid extra detail mm-hmm. that I could have completely ignored mm-hmm. just trying to give you an experience. And, you know, some people would say the guy who, the VFX artist that made this perfect little bottle, that's the, that's the extra I, thing. Do you think it's harder to make a bottle in real life or no, no, he, like CGI? No, I actually, no, I think he had a bottle that he used and they didn't like the way it looked. No, I'm asking though, like, do you think it, it takes more time and effort to create that bottle in real life or to make it? I think, it's CGI? A, I think it is uh, so much easier to do it in CGI now. Now? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I without question <laughs> without qu- but, but but yeah i mean because like they have you know hundreds hundreds of artists working on movies it's true i think about my friend who does a lot of 3d design and it's like he had to buy it you know he had to buy just a decked out he used a, a mac for yeah. just his regular design work but a decked out uh cpu to handle the rendering yeah. of just like you know uh, yeah. just a flat image for Instagram and it takes like freaking an hour to render it. You yeah. know, it's like, Oh man, I cannot imagine the amount of people that work at Pixar. Oh. to like ren- render a frame or like, like the, the, the like facilities storing the computers that are just like fans blowing them, oh, all, blowing on them all day just to like make this movie. I, but I saw one thing that was like, it took like, uh, I don't know how many months to, Render. to export uh toy story yeah yeah and now they they do that in like 10 seconds or know, it's insane. It's insane it's crazy but you know i was watching a movie this weekend that's a, like a pretty vfx heavy movie mm-hmm. and i was like i was like just wondering how much time was left and it said like oh 35 minutes and i'm like yeah but it's really 25 with 10 minutes of credits because they put in every mm. vfx artist like oh wow you know i mean yeah. with that kind of movie you 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 just know the last 10 minutes aren't movie Uh, and it's i I mean that's just where we're at i i just love looking i mean you know hey fair enough probably a lot of stuff i'm looking at isn't real yeah but i love looking at something that's real yeah but you know what none of it's real because it's all a movie i know that's the other thing because i was just about to compare it to walking outside (laughs) (laughs) like like tonight it's supposed to be a harvest moon yeah but But abel goes to bed tonight Okay, well, see, here's the thing. So Abel usually goes to bed around 7, 7.30. Yeah. So it wasn't quite out yet. Yeah. So we stayed up an extra almost hour, yeah. and we're just walking around the neighborhood, and we're like, where's the moon? And he's just, like, looking up. He's, we're seeing some stars. We never saw it. But I was like, wow, what a great night. <laughs> yeah. As, like, stupid as that sounds, yeah. like, let's look, let's just have – and he's, he's, he's not talking a lot. He doesn't know a lot of how to say a lot of words, mm-hmm. but he knows all the words. Mm-hmm. So we're like, where's the moon? And he's like, man, he is looking. He's oh, like, yeah. okay, that, you know, that's a star, but I'm looking for the moon. But it was such a, like, and it's twilight in our neighborhood, and we never walk around at that time because he's usually getting ready for bed. Yeah. And then after bed, we're just, like, on our phones or watching a movie or TV or... Totally. And then read a book and then go to bed and just, like, shut out the stuff. Yeah. But, man, it was just just nice to freaking go outside for a second yeah this isn't profound and this is probably you know it's funny i saw a tiktok today sent by a friend that was um when you bring a book to any public area you know okay it was like by the way i'm i am way better than all of you people that's pretty <laughs> Just true. so you know that's pretty that's true. how i feel right now about talking about going outside oh my gosh just so you guys know, guys, like, outside, get off your screens every once in a while. You know, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, that's what I was saying was, like, uh, you compare Unforgiven to Cry Macho or any movie, and it's like, Unforgiven, Unforgiven feels, has this visceral mm-hmm. feeling to it. Um, 
but it's still it's still a movie none of it's real mm-hmm. um but but cry macho is really not real but unforgiven is some the 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 things the ideas the concerns that that movie is investigating interrogating considering have really stuck with me in my mind and and cry macho was like water trying to hold water in the palm of my hands mm-hmm. as i was watching it it was pouring out of my head it was disappearing <laughs> <laughs> and thank god <laughs> it was just so it was just so nothing to me and and i it was heavy-handed i could see what it was what message it was trying to get across i could see all of that and i just didn't care you know well it really set the scene with that opening expository dialogue yeah, yeah. like when, it, when it's that blatant and egregious you're like this does not bode well for the rest of this thing yeah um is there anything you want to talk specifically about before we kind of wrap up and get to our segments either of the cry movies macho? either of the movies unforgiven or cry macho i loved unforgiven it makes me want to i just i want the curated eastwood list yeah which i know is out which i know is out there yeah. but but also you know i don't think i'm a big eastwood guy no just in general no i i'm kind of with you I, I it's like i i like i like some of it but it's not i don't know if it's because of him yeah not enough to like uh yeah you know it's funny you know it's funny too with unforgiven there is some of that there's still some of that cry macho in it like when he's mm. like, now, what does he say specifically? It's like, with the the late passing of your, you know, something mother, what does he say? Oh, my God. Yeah. We need to know the exact line. Because he says it like four times. And it's like, is this a joke? It, you know, very exposition, heavy-handed. I know, but the phrase, I got to find it. Unless I start up HBO Max, but I don't want to do But, yeah, the, he, like... The the way he phrases it, especially like three times in a row, it's it's like, oh, this is a movie script. Yeah, and he, and he's not talking to his children. Yeah, because they they know that their mother is passed. Yes, for sure. Um, but but I think, you know, I think everything else is is working so well that it's like, yeah, that's how scripts work. You know, I could forgive this. I I'm not watching. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not watching Unforgiven because not the for me. is so sharp. I was gonna say that dialogue up front, unforgivable, and lost a half star. For oh, me. for Unforgiven, yeah. That's why I gave it. We'll wait till the segments yes. to build suspense. Now I just say it's just it's fantastic. It's absolutely captivating. Mm-hmm. The especially on like the um, English Bob scene in oh. the jail cell. Obviously, the final shootout, but there's lots of like very tense. I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. Re- really, just yeah, good movie making. Yeah, I love the I love this kind of little mini arc of English Bob in the middle of. The I know, like I know, it's it, great. And I just kept having this feeling of like, okay, what are we doing now? Where are we? Why is this here? And right. and I love that feeling. It's okay to be a little disoriented uh, in a movie, mm-hmm. and then, and for it actually not really to connect plot-wise, like mm-hmm. it. If if not only just to give uh, it's, little little Bill some more sure yeah 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 rich richness yeah it's just it really feels just thematically uh, meaningful. Yeah, let's um, hang with Bill a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, and, and I just love that. I love that. I love that. That the patience, and I love that intentionality. Um, yeah. where there's not really a character in Cry Macho that I wanted to spend more time with. Not even the chicken, which you never see. Like I know you, you think there'd be some, uh, you know, tying of loose ends of why we need this chicken in the story. <sighs> But did he contribute to anything other than one time pecking out the bodyguard? No. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to move on to segments? Let's do it. What were you drinking tonight? I was drinking homemade kombucha. Oh, wow. Homemade in your home? In my home. Wow. I I have this 
fermentation book mm-hmm. that I was like, you know what? I don't have enough living creatures to care for. Let me, let me get a couple more that could also poison me in the house. This is, excuse me, a damn fine couple segments. You know, speak, so, speaking of, it was mm-hmm. finally the weather was cool enough in my house where I, get, I did sourdough for the first time in like three or four months. Oh, wow. See, my starter, that's the other thing. Need to feed it tonight because it is not looking good Ooh. and it's smelling of uh, alcohol. The starter. Your sourdough starter? Yeah. Yeah. I've killed it twice, actually. Oh, wow. I had to restart it. But I've got that going. I got a scoby and first couple batches of kombucha coming in. Nice. And I've made it fermented yellow jalapeno sauce, oh. which my my gardener friend said is actually a very rare pepper, and our neighbor happens to grow them, and she gave us like 30 of them. Wow. And it's the best sauce I've ever made. Wow. It's some, it smells like a king's game. Okay. Yeah, and no, somehow, I get it. It's like the jalapeno nacho cheese smell. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it smells like a king's game. Tastes like every condiment at lowbrow okay. combined Great. somehow. Love it. Yeah. So that's what I was sipping on, but it's long gone. What about you? I had a... Also, I don't know how, I don't know when Twin Peaks is going to come in on that explanation. I had a uh, lime LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> this is, excuse me, a damn fine couple segments. So, uh, favorite shot? Favorite shot. Do you have a favorite shot of, let's do it this way. We're going to make it easy. Okay. A favorite shot of Unforgiven or Cry Macho. Thank you, because Cry Macho has zero from me. I, I just want to say, inexplicable. Oh, no, no. Actually, it does. I, I don't understand it, it, the plot of this movie. because. <laughs> tell me about at, that. At the end, he gets, he gets Rafo to the border. And then they have he turns to, around. They have to say goodbye, and I'm like, well, when did he decide he wasn't going to go back? I know there was never a moment where it was Thank like, "Thank you." I thought I must have missed something, <laughs> but I'm you. not going to look. I'm not going to go back and look for it. I was like, "Why did he stop so far from the dad at the border?" I know. Why I was like, "Dude, have you have a there. you have a house." I'm assuming you and the dad standing there like the freaking <laughs> I don't know Grim Reaper or something like in the, the shadows judge from Blood Meridian. Yeah, it's like it's like all right. I'm going back to my lady, who I said bye to. I was, yeah, yeah. Who I like also a big show of saying goodbye to. Also, don't speak Spanish. So, oh gosh, but he knows sign language. That's the other thing. He also knows sign language. That's another like trait. He's just like a jack of all trades. Whatever she's convenient. like. She's like amazed by him. She's like, oh my god, he cooked chicken. Oh, <laughs> take me now. I I love this scene. I love the, the cooking, the chicken cooking scene, right? He is, he is clearly... The chicken looks bad. <laughs> but he has clearly spent a ton of time on it because he has fried up a ton of chicken and there's like vegetables, mashed potatoes or Oh, whatever. yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. And, and, it, it, and then, then this line of dialogue comes in. Oh, so you're cooking tonight? <laughs> I know. She's like, what do you think he was doing for the past hour? <laughs> when he was like, hey, where is your cast iron do you have oil because we're frying chicken okay i need a i need the the wet coating and the dry uh you make sure use this hand so we're not you know contaminating it's like okay no Uh, uh, that is unforgivable he's bringing he's bringing food to the table oh you're cooking tonight nope he already did so many moments like that or like the kid drinks his beer and like switches them yeah and the kid thinks that's gonna work i know like like what's and he's like ah fine mexican beer oh my gosh it's like is it does this make you like safe and relatable to him but that's also like the one mischievous thing the kid did the entire movie i know i know the one but he's a monster yeah his mom's selling him into sex trafficking (laughs) and somehow he's a monster Oh my gosh! Yeah, this was a bad movie. I, I think what does she do? I I have no idea. Like drug money, cartel. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's Mexico. That's what Eastwood writing about Mexico. He's like, you know, it's yeah, it's at the border. It's what she's doing. They're in Mexico. That, that's the only plot line it could be. They're in Mexico for five <laughs> minutes. Oh, the federales! Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my gosh 
It sounds like he coached the kid on how to sound like worse at English. Oh, oh yeah. No oh, yeah. run. <laughs> it, it, it was like it, it wasn't like uh, you know a native Spanish speaker who knows some English who's yeah. like fluent basically trying to hang in conversation. It was yeah. like a caveman yes. trying to talk. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like you weak. You were strong. Yeah. It's like, dude, what? Uh, well, favorite shot then. And actually, I do have one for Cry Macho, and it's like one of the first shots. It's he. It's after he's fired, and it's he's sitting outside at twilight, mm. but he's sitting in a lawn chair. Yeah. And the lawn chair green is translucent, yeah. and it's kind of nice. Yeah. I like the I'm touch. Like, yeah, that's a very that's a real lawn chair right there. Yeah. Do you have one for Unforgiven? Um. The, the only one that when I was watching the movie, I was kind of thinking just because I love, um, basically it's where I want to be, is when he wakes up from his fever and um, he's sitting on a log and it's covered in snow and she's walking up. I, is, that, is that yours? I kid you not. That is exactly my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I'm telling you, we need more Siskel and Ebert here. We need more like combatants like... Uh, and we're just on the same page again. I, I, I just I love it too because I'm like, oh, that's that's not an obvious favorite shot. So Mitchell's right. not going to pick that, but here <laughs> we are. I'm looking at it right now. I love it. Yeah, it, it's because the vistas in the background, yeah. and then this like little intimate moment with them. Yeah, it's my favorite shot too. I don't have one for Cry Macho. That's my favorite shot from Unforgiven. Um, and and the reason for me, I I just remember feeling this palpable sense of release and relief when it mm. cuts to that because it's it's all of these because we hadn't really been in snow before that no no so coming out of a fever and it's like cool and airy refreshment like like it's the the pure snow there is a there's a the cleansing aspect to of it to, mm-hmm. uh, cleansing aspect to it but also everything leading up to that immediately is confined it's the fever it's dark candlelight mm-hmm. rain rain like you know all of that kind of desperation and then for it all to find relief in this basically this one big shot and it tells yeah. you it communicates everything i needed it's he's better right he's up and about and but also like literally the environment itself is bringing relief Right. And, I mean, it goes straight into, like, his character switch. Yeah. It's kind of metamorphous. Yes. Sort of thing yes. happening. Yeah. That's so funny that it's both of ours. That's, that's great. And I have a feeling, letterbox review, let's hit it. Is it the same? Four and a half stars. Four and a half. Yeah. Again, I knocked down a half for that expository dialogue up front explaining to his own children that... Your long past mother. <laughs> Not really, but it just, I don't know why it wasn't quite the five. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't either. I just, I was like, I reckon, a five is a feeling. I agree. You know? Four, f- oh, perfect way to say it. Four and a half to me is like, you're, this movie is so good, expertly made, all of that. But a five, mastery. Five is like a transcendent thing. Yeah, it, it's a feeling. It, it has this extra quality. Uh, it's a, I didn't have to watch it for a podcast feeling. <laughs> uh, so, um, cool. Uh, do you have an unsung hero for either of these movies? Oh. oh, God. Cry Macho only has... Cry Macho has... There's no. There's nothing... I don't know why I gave it to an... Okay, we, we didn't say our letterbox review for oh, Cry Macho. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to change it right now. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave it two and a half stars, but you've talked me down to two. Yeah, same. Look, we're staying on brand. We've got the same, and we're changing it at the same time. Like, I, I want 91-year-old Clint to be able to make a movie that's successful. I right. love the narrative of this guy's in his 90s making movies. He should have done the movie with no dialogue. <laughs> he should have because there's some, there there are some moments where he's got his hat and it's covering his eyes. I'm like, there he is. There's yeah. there's my guy. Yeah. So so yes. why don't you just be quiet and be on the farm for a while? Yeah. Uh, and like, why don't we watch you like, yeah, struggle with unfolding money out at I a know. diner? 
it's like yeah let me watch that for way longer and like don't comment on it just do it oh my gosh uh like moments like that you know yeah uh yeah i just i didn't i mean i don't know much about eastwood but i is does he write his movies no okay so dialogue's never been a real because i feel like even in unforgiven there's a lot a lot of cheese ball moments yeah i i i don't think he cares to be honest yeah that's the feeling i get too all right well unsung hero i'll I'll go with that lawn chair (laughs) cry macho that's the best thing in the movie (laughs) oh that's funny um let's see my unsung hero you know when he talks about his son there's a genuine moment there sure in the church when he starts to like tear up like that's a flash of this version of clint at this age yeah it's not an unsung hero i'm just saying look it it, it's not the worst movie i've ever seen i I don't think it's a good movie i think there are parts of it that are nice i I do like the stuff in the church um but it it just i just would never recommend this uh, no and it just doesn't make any sense that's that's my thing none of it makes any sense the the connective tissue from scene to scene is not there in any way his stunt double on that horse is another unsung hero. Yes, sure. Because it's very obvious. Yeah, uh, I, I would say my unsung hero on Cry Macho is the um, the the steady cam operator who uh, filmed during uh, when Clint is chasing the chicken at the <laughs> cockfight. Like, and you're like, please don't break it. <laughs> please, please don't fall over. He's like, come on, get over here. <laughs> get out, come so on. Bad. Oh my god. Oh boy. Uh, uh, but I and I also just uh, my uh, it's not really an unsung hero in the kind of the the, the tradition of the um, uh, of the category or the the uh, segment as we discussed it. But um, for Unforgiven, Saul Rubinek, mm-hmm. who plays uh, W.W. Beauchamp, the writer, is just mm-hmm. is just amazing. And he's in Frasier. He's Donnie from Frasier. I know, <laughs> uh, but I I just love that character and. He he just brings kind of like a, a little bit of a, a verve to the movie that works yeah. so well and is just the right ingredient in the right measure um, yeah. that I love. I don't think I have one for Unforgiven. Okay, what else we got? Um, what else you been watching? You start us off. Yeah, I, the two things I watched this weekend, I watched, I can never get the name straight because I think the worst part about these movies is the naming scheme. I watched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, oh God. which is the second one because the first one is Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but I, you would think that the dawning comes before the rising. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, this is your like, you know, five minute open mic bit. Now, now, bear with me, guys. Is it my understanding that the dawn comes before the rise? Am I wrong? Or am I wrong? People, people, <laughs> movie titles these days. Am I right? <laughs> you got Planet of the Apes. You got Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. You got Rise. <laughs> no, it's a good bet. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's a lot of them, right? <clears throat> Have you seen any of these movies? This is—it's like, hey, whatever the good old days, Planet of the Apes two. <laughs> How hard is that? It was never, never like that. Uh, it's like Escape from. It's it's all. Uh, no, I mean like movies in general. No, I know. Uh, this back is in, back in my day in the early 2000s, a new movie would be like two. They just added two to the end. This is the Planet of the Apes trilogy from the last. 10 years the last decade did you see any of these movies james franco james franco's in the first one i haven't seen any of them so i watched the first one a few years ago and i was like really surprised by how good it was and then everyone was talking about the second two especially war war for the planet of the apes which is the third one so i i picked these up on clearance uh they were a buck each on blu-ray there you go at a bookstore and i was like yeah oh good i haven't watched either of these um, so I watched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the second one, and then War for the Planet of the Apes, and they're so good. Wow. Um, and they have no business being as good as they are. Um, right. And, and like, especially War for the Planet of the Apes, it, that movie is almost entirely the apes. 
Um, there, there's like only <laughs> not so much the war. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, I mean there's basically only one human character. Um, right. It, Woody Harrelson is in it, and he plays like this evil colonel. Um, but all of the drama is mined from the relationship between these apes and a lot of them do speak because that's part of the premise is that they there's this ape you know they were testing on the apes and they learned how to talk or whatever Um, but a lot of the apes don't speak at all and they use sign language Um, and the way that they do that with subtitles is so just well done and seamless Um, and Love both these movies, especially War, the, War for the Planet of the Apes. Just um, nice. Planet of the Apes, recommend. Yeah, no, check out. Please, uh, they're super fun, really well done, and and just great examples. I mean, this this is kind of the when these movies were coming out. Um, just just kind of how how do we recognize the work of these motion capture capture uh, actors? So like Andy Serkis, who was famously Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He mm-hmm. plays the main um, ape character in in these movies, mm-hmm. uh, but it's all mo- motion capture, and and people are like, how do we give him an award? You know, right? Because um, his acting is really good, um, but it's such an untraditional kind of thing, um, right? So, it, super great movies, really well made, um, and and they're both very different movies. So, you got me really wanting to watch the original now. Yeah. There you go. What have you been watching? I did uh, Succession. <laughs> <laughs> Gearing up for season three, coming on oh, October. Wow. Everything. Okay, Succession, Curb, Dune, James Bond, French Dispatch, a bunch of others, uh, Every and freaking every Halloween movie we have to watch. But it's not going to matter. None of that matters. Oh. <laughs> okay. Because on October 1st, Seinfeld is coming to Netflix. There's too much. <laughs> but good God, people say, oh, watch this show. And I say, no. Watch <laughs> Succession. Because Succession is masterful. It's the only show. It's the only show. You talk about shows that are out right now, it's the only show. Also Curb. Oh, but th- that's yeah. not really a show. That's just like... I don't know. That's how I feel about Survivor. <laughs> That's just life, you know? It's just Larry David will make these for, until he dies. Exactly, exactly. It's not, you know, let's remove it from show category, yeah. but Succession is the only thing. I see people like, oh, this, dude, you got to watch whatever on Netflix, and I say no. I refuse. This is it. This is perfect. It, it is so good. Well, you, so you've been re-watching Succession. Yeah, trying to, like, i got to re- remember. Because yeah. th- it's been, like, two years since I finished yeah. season two. Yeah. So, anyway. Succession and also trudging through that season three of Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, nice. Well, next week's going to be a lot better, a movie that we're going to enjoy a lot more. Because we've both seen it. That's right. This uh, Next week, we are celebrating an anniversary. Uh, this week in September, as of this recording is the 10th anniversary of Moneyball. Moneyball. Moneyball with Brad Pitt, written by Aaron Sorkin. My boy. Uh, and directed by Bennett Miller. Directed by Bennett Miller. Uh, absolutely a great movie. Uh, 10th anniversary, celebrating that. Any excuse, really, though, for us to talk about a great movie like Moneyball. Um, and I think it's our first sports movie. Is that right? Um, I mean, we did Raging Bull, but all right, yeah, okay. So second sports movie, but this one but feels is Moneyball any sports movie really about the sport? Well, Moneyball feels a little bit more. We'll get into this next week, but in that kind of traditional vein of a sports movie. But I just it is so far and above. I think so much in the genre. Really excited for Moneyball. Uh, and we have a special guest and we have a special guest we have a special guest a friend of mine a guy named brendan galbraith uh he is this is kind of this perfect confluence of uh brendan's expertise and and uh, interests he uh he was a baseball player uh, in school he studied screenwriting um in college and he actually now works in the podcast industry and also is doing screenwriting on the side 
Uh, and Moneyball is one of his favorite movies. Uh, and, and he loves Aaron Sorkin. So we're going to have Brendan on to talk about what this movie means to him. And maybe he can, I don't know, help us understand the baseball of it. <laughs> Stars aligned. Yes. Uh, so we're really excited to have Brendan on. It's going to be a fun episode. And, um, uh, you know, any excuse, like we said, go, go watch Moneyball, especially if you've never seen it before. Um, it is on Peacock Premium right we'll now probably do it so. again next year when it's the 11 year anniversary of it <laughs> uh yeah so uh moneyball is streaming on peacock if you have a premium peacock subscription though i think you everyone who has xfinity comcast also has access to the peacock premium stuff so just trying to help our listeners out you know um uh, so go check out moneyball on peacock in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, a rating and a review. That's right. We haven't had a review in a long time, so make us feel better about that. Sure. <clears throat> and um, I don't know. That's all. That's all we got this week, Mitchell. It was a, kind of a weird week. It's a rough week. <laughs> Unforgiven was great. Crime Macho sucked. Yeah. <laughs> You hate to end on the crime macho at all, but Uh, here we are. Alas. Yeah. Anyways, we will be back next week with Moneyball and special guest Brendan Galbraith. Good night, y'all. Bye. How about box office poison?